0: Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Now, as you know, right now the race for who is going to be President of the United States is in a fever pitch. We have Donald Trump, we have Hillary Clinton, we have other candidates as well. My role I'm not going to spend any time on this platform trying to tell you how to vote or influence the way you wanna vote. The only thing I will say, because it's, it's so frustrating because you wanna say something but then, you know, people are gonna take it wrong. And it's hard to, to make any kind of public statements without people going, well, what about this? What about that? So what I'm going to do is the next Green Room podcast that we have, I'm going to give you my perspective on our current political situation. And um, I'm not going to endorse anybody. I'll probably, share, I'll probably share who I'm planning on voting for and why, and maybe more, make it more in-depth. And so um, if you know, if you haven't been on the Green Room podcast, every other week about every other week we do a green room podcast it's about 40 minutes long you can go to our website download it if you're on our email list we will send you the email link you click on it you can watch it you can listen to it you can download listen to it in your car but it's just a way to connect with you between our weekends here so that you, and we go in depth on all kinds of stuff we've talked about um hot button issues Everything from like, you know, why do Christians believe this about the Bible? We've talked about same-sex marriage. We've talked about all kinds of stuff and um, what what our theology is. And we're able to go more in depth. So I just want to give you a little plug about that as well. But as we're looking at this, and by the way, too, you know, it's frustrating. In fact, I go on social media, and I just got to the point the other day where I said, I'm just going to unfollow some people until the election's over. You know what I mean? Like, we'll still be friends, but I don't like you right now. So, and I don't wanna, I don't wanna like every time I go on there to go, so I just like unfollowed people. Um, None of you, of course, you know, God forbid. But I just unfollowed people, and I only tell you that because. For some of you that are like, you're getting a headache and heart palpitations from all the people that are disagreeing with you, it may just be good just to get them out of your life for a few weeks. You're not going to change their mind. They're not going to change your mind. Just go on, just get them out of your life until, until which time that the whole thing's over and then you can go back to being friends. Because the reality is the sun is going to rise. Uh, after election day, you will have a life, you will have a job to go to, and kids to raise, and bills to pay, and friends to hang out with, and you and I will still have a very, very, very important mission. You see, because the whole reason we're doing this series is because you can get so freaked out, and enamored, and passionate about who your candidate is, but I'm here to remind you that the one who is supposed to be the only one worthy of being in charge of not only our country, but the whole world, his name's Jesus. And he's the one that we are to be most passionate about and give our most att- our biggest attention to and have our greatest amount of faith in more than anyone else. And if he were running, I believe he would run in what I would call the gospel party. Because the gospel is Everything when it comes to Christianity, it's not a religion. It is a statement. It is, and it is an arrival. It is a, an event that has occurred in our lives, and Jesus came proclaiming it. And so, what I want to talk, what I talked about last week, and what we're going to talk about today, is the Gospel Party platform. Anyone who's running for office needs to be able to have a clear message about what it is they stand for and why you should hitch your little wagon to their their little thing, right? And it has to be clear. It has to be understandable. And what I want you to leave with today is the same thing I wanted you to leave with last week, a crystal clear understanding of the message of Jesus so you are no longer confused about it. And so... We said last week that if he's going to have a gospel party, we have to define first what the word gospel means. And we said last week that gospel means good news. The, the message of Jesus is not bad news. It's not depressing news. It's not horrible news. It's good news. And, it, and it's, it's a wonderful thing to bring good news to people. You go, hey, i got some good news for you. Tell me. It's good news. Well, what is that good news? Again, last week we said the good news is this very simple thing. God saves sinners. God saves sinners. God loves to rescue people who are far away from him. And it is that message that changes communities, changes cultures, and changes countries. It is truly the only hope for humanity. Please do not get carried away into a false sense of security if your candidate wins the election. And do not get carried away into a sense of doom and hopelessness and depression if your candidate does not win the election. Because the message that we have is so much greater and has such a massive more amount of power to be able to change people's lives than any man or woman running for office. Because our message is this. God saves sinners. People that we met last week. People like Zacchaeus. Who was a con artist and a thief. And a traitor to his own people. Someone that nobody liked. And Jesus saved him. Because God saves sinners. The Samaritan woman who had five husbands and was living with dude number six. Someone that you never would think would darken the door of a church. And Jesus specifically tracked her down and showed her who he was because God saves sinners. He loves going after the unexpected person. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today and you're going, you know, I'm far from God. I'm not even sure what I'm doing here. Maybe you're trying to keep up some kind of appearance, but the truth is your life is that direction and you're feeling like, I don't even know if God loves me or if I can even get a second chance. But I'm here to tell you, if you're in need of a second chance, if you're in need of a do-over, if you're in need of a restart, an overhaul, a complete regeneration of your life, you've come to the right place. Because God saves sinners. Even you and even me. And so, the first talking point of the gospel party platform, the first thing about Christianity that you should always know and never forget, and it should be the very first thing that comes out of your mouth, not church, not tradition, not a certain type of music, not a certain type of morality, but simply this, the gospel, and the gospel is, God saves sinners. But there is another talking point as well, and that's what I want to talk about tonight. The other talking point is this. Again, three words, very simple. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is King. He is God. He is above everything. So let's go back to our original verse that we looked at last week and see if we can't pick that out. So right after Jesus calls all his disciples and begins his ministry, the first thing that he does, right out of the gate, the very first thing he does is written about in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And it says this, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So here's the important thing. It's not merely the gospel, but it's the gospel of the kingdom say, so what is the kingdom? Well, the kingdom can be defined simply this way. The rule or the will or the authority of God. The kingdom is the place where God's rules and commands are followed. The kingdom is a place where he is believed in. And when we live in this world right now, what things are ruling our world right now? What things rule the lives of human beings? All kinds of things. Fear, Fear rules people like crazy. You do, many of you do what you do every single day because you are afraid of stuff. Fear is like a god. How about rage? I read an article last week that said that the average human being, because of technology, technology is great, we love technology, but technology can be frustrating. The average human being will have 40,000 bouts of tech rage throughout their lives. That's like, I hate this computer. Why won't this thing work? Where's the internet? Right? Like rage against technology. Now technology doesn't cause rage. Technology reveals the rage that's already there. But hidden well until something doesn't work right. And then like, what's wrong with these people? You know? Why can't I send a message wirelessly through into space and have it land instantly across the world? It should be working. Tech rage. Hatred. Hatred. People are ruled by hatred against people with whom they disagree or your relative or your ex or your boss or the guy that stole your identity or whatever the case may be and you live with it every day and it controls how you think and what you do. It is a small g, God. Addiction, alcohol, pot, porn, Facebook, you name it, is something that you can't get away from. It, again, ruins or rules and then ruins your life. Of course, jealousy, you have a person in your head that you can't get them out of your head and they control you because you can't stop thinking about them and what they have. Of course, money, even our own children can become gods. We'll do anything for them. We want to protect them. We want to give them everything. We're so afraid and worried they're going to grow up and end up in jail or whatever the case may be. And so we worry and fret and every little thing. It's like, oh, they rule everything so often. So let me ask you this. Are any of these things ruling your life right now? Or any of these things, if you're honest, going, yeah, you know what? Jesus is Lord, but I'm not really living like he is. So the kingdom is the place where Jesus is Lord. Because the worst thing of all, in fact, you have, in, these are all kind of internal gods. Perhaps the worst thing is an external god. You have like dictators and guys that do horrible things to people and take advantage of their power and everything else. But probably the worst god of all is death. Everyone has a date with death. Death rules this life. It'll get you eventually. And there's all these kind of sub-points of that. Cancer. People get cancer for no reason. They're going living their life. All of a sudden, bam, they get hit with this thing. And it's terrible. It causes fear and it just it, it interrupts your life. It takes away all of your plans. It's indiscriminate. People are personifying cancer. Beat it, kill it, fight it, because it's so vicious and terrible and it's something that we live with. And so if we look at our world right now, the truth of the matter is you might feel free and you might feel like I don't bother to eat anybody, but we all have these small g gods that are competing for a place in our lives. And so when Jesus comes proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, he's saying that the good news is found in him, through him, God's rule has come to the earth. And so that's why it says, he, he, it says in the verse, it says he goes around preaching and the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Now why was he healing people? He wasn't healing people because he wanted to get a TV show on TBN. He was healing people because he was trying to prove that he has authority over everything. The purpose of the miracles was not so people would feel better, although that was a byproduct. The purpose of the miracles was to set things that were wrong with the world back right. So if a guy is blind, his eye is not working the way his eye is supposed to work, right? It's messed up. God did not create an eye to not function. He created an eye to function. This doesn't function. And so what God does Or what Jesus does, he comes to the earth, he touches the guy's eye and puts it back under the authority, the will of God. The will of God. It works the way it's supposed to work, which brings peace and healing and joy and justice and all this stuff. That's why he heals. And so that's what he's doing. God's rule has come to the earth because Jesus is Lord. So the gospel platform is very simple. You can memorize it this way. God saves sinners and Jesus is Lord. And we are all in desperate need of a Savior, and we are in desperate need of a Lord. And that is the vision. So when you become a Christian, you don't just simply say, well, I believe in Jesus. It's like fire insurance, you know. Oh, I, I checked the box. My you know, little survey, I checked Christian because I was raised Christian. I was born Christian. No, no, no. Even the demons believe in Jesus. Most people believe there's a guy named Jesus who walked the face of the earth. The question is, is he Lord of your life? Is he the one in charge over everything, over sex, over your, your friends, over your, your appearance, over the money that you make, over your job security? Is he the one who gets the ultimate authority over everything and you trust him more than anything or anyone? Because God saves sinners, but he calls them to enter the kingdom, to give up their gods and to follow him. And you know the biggest thing in life that you're going to deal with as a Christian is idolatry. biggest thing. That's why the very first commandment, Ten Commandments, is you shall have no other gods before me because idolatry is the biggest thing. Even as a Christian. we'll drift back to idols. and Drift back to idols. So, here's what happens. There's this wonderful story in Matthew chapter 8 of a guy who's merely known as a Roman centurion. Now, kind of like last week with the Samaritan woman, there were two problems with the Samaritan woman. First was she was a Samaritan and second she was a woman. This one, this guy's got two problems as well. The Roman centurion. First, he was a Roman and second, he was a centurion. Because the Roman means he was not a Jew. So, it's a, we got a racial issue going on here. So, if you're a Jewish guy reading the book of Matthew for the first time, and in that context, or if you're in this situation, you see a non Jew, and there's a story about a guy, you're like, this guy's got a problem because he's not one of us. He's not part of our pedigree. He's not one of the chosen people of God. He's not chosen. He's not chosen. He's like, down here. That's the first problem with him. Second problem is, he's a centurion. So, what's a centurion? Well, the word cent means a hundred. He was a military officer who oversaw about a hundred troops. It's just a decent position. Yeah, you know, he's got his little outfit on, right? You've seen all the movies. It's a Roman soldier garb. These guys were part of the oppressors. So here you are, a Jew. You've been conquered by the Romans. And the Roman centurions, these guys were brutal. They were the same ones that nailed Jesus to the cross. These guys were brutal. They were not friendly. They are not your friend. You just get that message. So we think, oh, Roman centurion, he must be like a nice guy. You know, hey, how's it going? This guy's coming, people scatter. Like, I don't want to be around this guy. I mean, he's going to find something wrong with me. He could order me to jail. He could beat me up. He could shove me around, take my stuff. These are the guys. These are the guys who come up to you and tell you, hey, I got all this stuff. You're going to carry this a mile for me. This is why Jesus said, carry it, don't carry it one mile, carry it two. These are the guys we're talking about. They come up to you and go, hey, I'm, I'm tired. Carry my stuff for a mile. And you had to or you were busted, right? People hated these guys. So, this is what the story, how the story goes. Verse 5. When he, referring to Jesus, had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. That's another way of saying he's blown away. I mean, he's God. He's not blown away. You know what I mean? Like he's a bull. And said to those who followed him, this. Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now what's going on here? You got a Roman soldier, the last person you would think would come to Jesus with a problem would be this guy. But he comes to him because he's desperate. His servant is, is actually, he says he's suffering terribly. In the original language, that's the same word for torture. He is going through torture. And the guy doesn't know what to do. You can imagine the shock that people would have seeing this. Like, what's what this guy doing? What, what, what's going on here? Who does he think Jesus is? Who does he think Jesus is? That's the critical question. Here's the kicker. Jesus says, fine, I'll go heal him. But the Roman soldier, centurion, understands authority. Those of you who served in the military, you understand chain of command, don't you? In fact, even in the very oath of enlistment, you swear, if you could join the military and you take the oath of enlistment, you swear to carry out the orders of superiors. That's what you do. And chain of command is very important. If you do not carry out an order of a superior, you could get in big time trouble. And this guy's whole Life is based on a chain of command that revolves around authority that is clear and stacked. And he's got people above him and people below him. And so he comes to Jesus. And why does he come to Jesus? Because his whole life is about chain of command and he looks at Jesus and applies the same thing and says Jesus has authority over suffering Jesus has authority over nature Jesus has authority over the universe otherwise I wouldn't be here and that's why he can say now you don't even don't even come to my house you don't need to make a potion you don't need to like recite a little poem You don't need to click your heels three times or whatever. You don't need to do any of that stuff. None of that crazy. Just say it. Kind of like Genesis 1 1. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Speak it, and it'll happen. That's all you gotta do. That's all you have to do is because you I understand authority and I know in my heart that you don't have to do anything but say it because you command everything. You are bigger than pop culture. You are bigger than politics. You are bigger than entertainment. You are bigger than cancer. You are bigger than death. You are bigger than car accidents. You are bigger than, than, uh, than any possible horrible situation. You command everything. And so... Jesus is shocked. Why is he shocked? He's not shocked because, some, you know, I mean, I mean, it's obviously, kind of. A, but you know, really, why he's shocked? He's shocked because this whole time, he's got his own people that are walking around going, you know, if you're really who you say you are, why don't you do something cool, like you know, stop the earth or something, or like you know, show us a sign. It's cool. Show us something like it'd be fun, right? If you're really, if you're really God, then. We're going to try to get you to answer this really hard. Can God make a rock you can't lift? <laughs> this is the kind of stuff he's getting the whole time from his own people trying to deceive him. not believe. The only reason that most of them are following right now is because they think maybe he can get enough traction to overthrow the Roman government and they can be free. Most of them don't even know who he is. And so they're like, it's fun to follow him because it's something to do. You know what I'm saying? It's like, life is kind of boring. This guy's pretty cool. He's healed some people. That's kind of crazy. Let's Let's just see what happens. And this is all he's got. And finally, this guy shows up and says, don't do anything but say it, and I'll go back and I know he'll be healed because I understand chain of command, and you command everything. And Jesus says, I tell you what. I mean, it's right there. Truly, I tell you with no one in Israel. In other words, ain't none of our people believe me. Believe in me like this guy does. None of our people do. And then he goes on. I tell you what. They're going to come from all over, baby. They're going to come from east, west, and they're going to be in heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're going to be hanging out at the table. But a lot of people, the nation of Israel, the chosen one, The special pedigree, they're going to be cast out. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what does that mean? That means there's going to be a lot of unlikely characters from all races and backgrounds and religions and creeds. They're not going to look like you, not going to say the things you say, and maybe not even sing the songs you sing but they're going to wake up one day and they're going to go, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. And they might not speak your language and they may not vote your politics and they might not raise your kids the way you do, raise their kids the way you raise your kids. They, they, may, they, they may not make the same income, but they're going to say Jesus is Lord. You're going to have Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, atheists. There's going to be Democrats, Republicans, 1%. Transgendered people. Because Jesus says from the east and from the west, from pockets of humanity everywhere, that's how it's going to be. Because I'm telling you what, that Roman centurion, he he fits into the most unlikely to believe in Jesus category. He just does. Most unlikely. So you think in your mind of the most unlikely person to believe in Jesus right now living in your mind. What religion is that person? What country do they live in? What political persuasion do they have? Think of the most unlikely person you can imagine, or maybe in your life right now, and imagine that person saying, Jesus is Lord. And imagine that person believing it almost more than you. That's crazy. Now, at the same time, Jesus says there will be many people who appear to have it all together. They appear to have the right pedigree. You know what I mean? Like they're raised in church, they're baptized, they're confirmed. Like their daddy, you want daddy helped build this church, and blah blah blah. And so like, you know, they're like they're born Christian, right? And so there's all these, and 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 so they 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 say the right stuff, and they look like they look like a nice Christian family or a nice Christian. But their core, they don't. Their core, there's another God at a, their core. There's no faith at their core. There's no trust. Worry rules them. Stress rules them. Money rules them. Success rules them. Somebody else's opinion rules their life. And they go, yeah, I know Jesus. You know, he's a good guy, but he's kind of like my co-pilot. I can't really believe him for everything. And Jesus says, those people are going to be not included. Listen to this quote. When I read this, it freaked me out. Very few things freak me out because like, I've read a lot of stuff in theology, but, but I mean, it freaked me out like I go, oh, I think that's true. And like, dude, the implications of that are serious. Listen to what one commentator said. And this guy's solid. Hell is not a doctrine used to frighten unbelievers. It is a doctrine used to warn those who think themselves believers. I first read that and I went, I'm not sure about that. Now, is hell a place that unbelievers go? Yes. But look in context. Read the Gospels. Where is hell mentioned by Jesus? Is hell mentioned by, does he go up to the adulterous woman and say, you're going to go to hell if you don't change? Does he go up to the, to the Roman guards while he's being crucified and say, you're going to go to hell if you don't change? Does he go up to, the, to uh, you know, some other person that's, that's totally on the outs and say, you're going to go to hell if you don't change? No. Where does Jesus always talk about hell? It's always around the Pharisees. It's always around the people who think they know everything about God. It's always around those who think they've got it right because they're they're feeling good in themselves. I'm like, whoa, man. Put that in your burrito and eat it. That's serious stuff, people. I think that's some truth to that. Now, here's the thing. What we're talking about is self-congratulatory people. The people love to say, I'm a good person. You ever heard that? Well, I know I'm going to heaven because I'm, I'm basically a good person. If you think that of yourself, then Jesus can do nothing for you. He doesn't make sense to you. So look at the centurion. Lord, ruler, master, I'm not even worthy to have you come under my roof. In fact, that that phrase, not worthy, is the same phrase that John used when he said, I'm not even worthy to tie Jesus' shoes. Same concept. You are so far above me. And so, Jesus says, go and you will be healed. So the gospel of the kingdom is that God saves people and Jesus is Lord Because you and I need a Savior And we need a Lord We need to be rescued And we need someone to follow And trust in And believe in And pattern our lives after And commit to over everything else in life No matter what that happens to cost us And I will tell you guys You know it, it, Throughout my 20 some years in ministry Full time ministry I, I've, I've had like really amazing conversations With, with non-believers About you know Like these hard topics About you know evil and God and evolution and the Bible and other religions and blah, 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 blah. And those are those are frustrating sometimes because I'm trying to help people understand things and then, you know, and see how I see things and then they're like ask questions and it can be frustrating. It can be good, but it can be frustrating. But what's more frustrating than that, what's even more frustrating than that is when there are Christians who... Who want, who say they love Jesus, but won't give up their idols. That's the hardest thing. And so I will continue trusting in something else other than Jesus. And then they wonder why it's so hard for them to understand or live a Christian life in any true meaningful way. And so what does it take to enter the kingdom? Well, it takes two things first, and we get them both from the centurion. There's two observations from the centurion. It's two things, really clear. The first thing is humility. Getting to the end of yourself. Humility is when you say, God, I've got nothing to offer you. Repentance is a beautiful thing. And repentance is part of humility. And it's a beautiful thing when you, doesn't, humility doesn't mean you beat yourself up. Humility means you actually see yourself as for who you really are. And this is so important. You are an amazing, wonderful incredible creation of god made in the very image of the eternal infinite god and that's gonna be so crazy you are made in the image of god like no other creature on the planet you and i are made that way so that that gives you value and meaning and purpose you should never question that you should never say oh what good am i Man, you're made in the image of god and that gives you incredible purpose so, you, so humility is seeing yourself in the image of God and yet seeing yourself as deeply flawed and in desperate need of a savior and a rescuer and a redeemer. That's all it is. Humility is, man, of course I matter. Of course I have value. Of course I'm important. But man, I'm flawed. I can't, I got serious issues in here. The centurion recognized that. That's why he said, yeah, you can come to my Don't even come to my house. Let me ask you this. You see, because what happens is when you you see yourself that way, and I'm telling you, when you see yourself that way, you begin to have a compassionate lens when you look at the rest of the world. You can look at people that are like doing everything wrong in your opinion and it's completely out to lunch. And rather than being like, oh, man, they're so stupid. They've got value to God. He loves them but they need a rescuer, just like you, just like me. People love to say, you know, if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus still would have died for you. That's true, but he still would have had to die for you. (laughs) He still would have had to go to the cross. He would have only gotten like five lashings. He would have still got the full 39 for you, because that's what it would have taken to save you. And that should produce, again, incredible gratitude. Gratitude is the highest of all virtues. So, let me ask you this. What would you have become were it not for Jesus? Christian, Christian for a long time, what would you have become were it not for Jesus? If the answer to that question is, I don't know. I mean, I might have just had a you know, a few more nights intoxicated, <laughs> then I don't think you're getting it. I know. I mean, you may look at me now and go, man, you know, nice pastor, and a nice family. Seems like you can put a few sentences together. Seems like a stand-up guy. I'd be a menace without Jesus. <laughs> I'd be an absolute menace. And when I forget that is when I'm usually meanest to the people in my world. When I forget that is when I get up on my little self-justification ladder and go, you guys all suck. But when I remember that, I'm humble. And my love for people goes up. Second thing is faith. Centurion said, say the word, my servant will be healed. It's faith. He said, not No. But he believes. Do you believe that life? Here's the question Do you believe that life is found in following Jesus? You don't go, Well, I was gonna have a good time, I was gonna have a fun life, but instead I'm gonna follow Jesus because then I'll go to heaven later. No, 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 no. Life is found in the following of Jesus. There's no difference between faith and obedience. They're two sides of the same coin. All obedience is is an expression of faith. You cannot have one without the other. So so obedience flows from faith. And so when you obey Jesus, in there you find life. And we don't just believe in Jesus, but we believe Jesus. We go, oh, when he said that, it's true. When he said, don't worry, but you don't understand. I gotta stress out. No, no, don't worry. Really don't worry. You cannot separate those things. Do you believe that faith the life is found in faith, in obedience, in the it doesn't matter how much money you make, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't, it doesn't, all that's stupid it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. What matters is the journey with Jesus. There's life in that journey, in the doing of it. Not because you, and I think some of these self-help guys, the problem is they tell you, you know, oh, you know, if you just believe, then he's gonna. God's going to give you all these other, other things that you want that are, have nothing to do with his will. It's just stuff that you want. No, no, the journey, even if you don't get those things, it's the following of Jesus where you find life. So this leads me to the larger point. You have to get this. The kingdom is all about setting things right. Political parties aren't going to be able to do that. Okay? You know, we may get some higher taxes. We may get some other. There could be some bad things that happen. I don't know. There could be some terrible, terrible things that happen in our country. I have no idea where it's going to go. But I have faith in the fact that there is a God who is actively working to set things right in the world and that will culminate with his second coming. That will happen. Now things might get worse before they get better or they might get better before they get worse. I don't know. But all I know is the Bible tells me that the kingdom is at work in the hearts and minds of people who have faith in Jesus. And the kingdom is all about setting things right. And that's why for those of you who say, well, I don't know how to pray, man. I just, can you pray? You don't need to know how to pray because Jesus says, let me teach you how to pray. Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your name is above all names. Then what does it say? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Interchangeable means the same thing. Your kingdom come means your will is done. Ready for this? On earth as it is in heaven. So the whole prayer, when Jesus says, you guys want to learn how to pray, here's a prayer for you. It's kind of important. Pray that God, God's will is done on the earth the way it's done in heaven. So pray that people follow him on earth the way they follow him in heaven. That's pretty cool. So your whole life, Christian, is an extension of everything Jesus said and did while he was here on the earth. Your whole life, is a picture of what it looks like when God's will is done on earth the way it's done in heaven. Whoa, did you just hear that? I'm firing myself up. That wasn't even in the notes. Did you just catch that? I didn't even, like, this is cool. Your whole life is, is about the way you live your life to show what it looks like God's will looks like to be done on earth just like it's done in heaven. You can't do that and smoke pot. You can't do that and fret over your 401K. You can't do that and hate people. You can't do that and not forgive people. You can't do that and cheat on your wife. You can't do that and look at porn. You can't do it like that. To do exactly what Jesus said and pray, you live now your life as though it were in heaven under the rule of God, and your life becomes beautiful and attractive, and people go, "Dude, I want that." How about that? I think that's pretty good. I think you all should be happy you came tonight. That's what I think. So I think that was awesome. And I, I'm just, I, I mean, I, I kind of had that, but I, the way I said it was not in the notes like that, so I'm pretty pumped. Um, so here's the question, oh, and then let me just close with this and I'm over time, sorry, but only by a minute. Um, so, so I'm in the military as a reserve Air Force guy and I love it, love it, love it. I get to go once a month. Now, you know, there's a lot of time where I'm just civilian and then once a month, I put my little uniform on and I go. And when I go to my drill weekend out in California, I go out in civvies, civilian clothes, when I come back, because I've been the whole weekend, I usually drive back with my uniform on. I love my uniform, man. I I joined late. I joined at 39, so I was like an old guy when I joined. I mean, comparatively speaking, some of you guys joined at 18. I, just, you know. And so for me, it's like a privilege. It it never stops being like this honor to put on this uniform. Like I get to put this uniform on. And so usually when I'm driving home, I make a couple stops, you know, places everybody should go, you know, like Chipotle, or Starbucks, or whatever. And I, and I, I go get, get coffee because it's a long ride home. And I get out, and it's one of the only times that I'm off base in my uniform. And I'm always aware, because I only do it once a month, so I have to remi- remind myself, I'm always aware that how I conduct myself is not just about me, it is about the reflection, what I do is a reflection of my superiors, my base, the Air Force, the military, and the nation. <laughs> and so I always want to live my life in a way to meet the expectations that people have of someone who's supposed to be wearing this uniform. So i got to be very careful how I conduct myself in the, in the, out in the civilian context because I have to remember that I'm not, it's not just me anymore. And I'm begging those of you that are Christians. Do you understand <laughs> When you live your life, you live it in such a way as an extension and as an expression and as a reflection of Jesus. The reason you're on this earth and you believe in, and you believe in Him, the reason you're still here, is to be a reflection of Him. And that should rock your world, man. That should kick you in the butt hard, Because it does to me. I'm like, God. First of all, thank you because it's an honor. It's an honor to be clothed with Jesus. Ah, it's an honor. I don't deserve that. It's an honor. Now God, what can I do to show people what it looks like under your rule on earth as it is in heaven? Let's bow our heads. If you're here tonight and you're saying, you know what, I need to do some business with God. He's, yeah, I believe there's a guy named Jesus, but I mean, I believe there's a I believe in Bob Dylan. I believe in anybody. Hasn't really made a huge difference in my life. But I want to be like that Roman centurion. I want to declare that he's got authority over everything, starting with me. So if you're here tonight, you just tell him that. God, you have authority over my life. You are Lord. And that means... Trust you. My heart desires what you desire. I will not be perfect. That's why I have a Savior who stood in my place. But I want to wear that uniform. And I want to live for you. And I'm done playing games. If you're here tonight and you want to tell them that for the very first time, I believe that you've come into the kingdom. Humility and faith. God, i got nothing to offer you. I don't even want you coming into my roof. Say the word and I'll be healed. Say the word and I'll be healed. It's time for some of you guys to just give up that pride and come to Jesus right now. And if there's nobody in here that's even eligible for that, then that's a pretty huge shame. Because as a church, we've got to be telling people who need to know the good news. God, thank you for the fact that you are so good to us. Thank you for this calling. Thank you for this beautiful, this story is so great, the most unlikely person in the world finds grace because of simple faith. God, you're so good. May we live up to the challenge of following you, not because we want to get into heaven, but because you've given it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.